So Kelly, bonjour. <laughs> you are in Nice, France for the 70.3 World. And last week I encouraged people via social media to wave at you. Has anyone waved at you yet? No. And I'm just so <sighs> looking forward to it, Sarah. I'm anticipating all of the waving. Okay, me too. Okay, so I'm sure you are. I roll. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Wednesday right now when we're recording. So hopefully by Friday, now that people have had another day. Really, really, folks, just like if you see Kelly, just like go up, give her a wave. I'm uh-huh. so excited for uh-huh. this to happen. So excited. Yeah. I honestly haven't really like entered the Ironman zone yet. Like okay. the triathlon. I've seen the triathletes out and about, but I haven't really dove in yet. Okay. Speaking mm-hmm. of diving in, did you find a swimming pool? No, I've been swimming in the ocean here because swimming pool, Sarah, in France, I don't even, I don't even understand. So I said this in the newsletter, someone had needs to explain to me, where do all the good swimmers swim? Cause there are good swimmers in France. And yet the pool experience is a largely, uh, social chaotic experience. Like you do not get in a workout. Like it's not a thing. I'm like swimming. I've, I was like swimming, swerving around old men. It was bizarre. And this seems to just be universally accepted that that's how pools are. In France? That's, in France. That's my experience of pools in France. Like yeah. I spent a couple summers in Gerald May where Ironman France was for a couple of years. They, they still have a really great long course race there. But to get pool time, we had to we had to swim with the local triathlon club in the evening. That Like if you just, you couldn't just show up and expect there to be like open lane time. So I don't know if that's true across France, but that certainly was my, also my experience. That's what somebody did email me to say. So I had assumed that basically people had to be parts of clubs and squads and that was that was the way it was done. And someone did email me to say that that is how, how it works, that you have to be part of a group and that she was shocked to show up in the U S and you can just have a whole lane to yourself at any time. I was like, well, we, we do do things better in the U S right. She should go to Australia. You can have a whole pool to yourself at any tiny community that you want. Oh my God. So being in Australia is pretty much the only country in the world that I've been like, wow, this is really good. Outdoors as well. Okay. Coming up on the show, our thoughts about the upcoming 70.3 world championship. Why do we still have fewer women competing in the two day format? Can we actually change how we think and change our memories? And this week, folks, we have two voicemails from listeners. Kelly, I finally got my shipment of noon up here in Canada, and I am so excited. The last couple days, I've been going to CrossFit with Noon Hydration Sport watermelon flavor, and I have been loving it so far. But I want to know from you, what product should I try next? Okay, so you're trying the tablet. So the Sport tablet is the one you drop in your water bottle. They also have an immunity tablet for you know when you're feeling sick that you can drop in your water bottle. And I've been trying the, or been using the Noon Rest which is for recovery and relaxation. It's like chamomile flavored. It has magnesium and potassium in it. Uh, you like drink it before you go to bed. Helps you recover well. You sleep great. It's fantastic. Okay, awesome. I'm totally going to try that tonight. Okay, if anyone at home wants to try, go to noonlife.com and use the code IRONWOMEN and you get 30% off. So Iron Women is our sister podcast. Noonlife, N-U-U-N, life.com. Give it a try. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc. Ass Kicker makes activewear for women featuring empowering phrases like work hard, play hard, kick ass, or strong women lift each other up. 
S Kicker Inc. also makes our fabulous Live Feisty tank tops, t-shirts, hoodies, and leggings. So to order yours, go to livefeisty.com and just choose shop from the menu. And of course, use the code RIDING to save 20%. That's RIDING, as in if we were, at livefeisty.com. And remember, I before E, except if you're feisty. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this. Show you what the truth is. I step on the field. It's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Kelly, have you ridden the bike course there? In Nisa? Uh, yes. That is the thing everyone's talking about. So I rode the main part of the course yesterday, not the shitty out and back on the beach. You know, the cl- the big climb, the crazy descent. And Sarah, it is crazy. It's insane, It's like right? legit insane. Partially, partially the roads still aren't closed, and yet there are hundreds of triathletes out pre- previewing it. And okay. so you're on these one-lane descents with cars going both ways and triathletes trying to read directions off their GPS. And a guy was Instagram selfieing while he was ascending in front of me yesterday. Oh, amazing. And I was like, we're all going to die. Okay. I competed in Nice in 2003 before it was even Ironman. Like it was the old ITU long course distance. Uh, okay. And we had at that time, 16 switchbacks on the descent in five kilometers. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about? Yeah, I don't think it's that many. It's I think there's four or five actual switchbacks, whatever. That's not what we call them, but now you've made me forget what we call them. Anyway, but there are four or five switchbacks, and there's like speed bumps when you're going pretty fast, which is rough. Honestly, I think if the course, if it's closed to cars, there'll probably only be a dozen crashes. If it's not closed to cars, like someone's going to die. So I have to fingers crossed on this. <laughs> That's how it's going to work out. Okay, how do you think that the, that kind of tough technical bike course is going to affect the race well obviously it's going to have a big impact a lot of the pros have been spending many weeks whether earlier in the year or right now out here just practicing the descent because they know that that's going to come into play particularly in the pro race where you know it's not going to be as crowded um so i've seen a ton of the pros out here the climb is obviously also it's a 30 something minute climb depending on on how fast you are for the women so it's it's going to have a big impact this is not a pack course, right? This is not a course that's just like the, remember the 70.3 championship courses of old where it was just on a highway and everyone just rode in this giant yeah, like pack in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. And then they all ran like one Oh twos off the bike or whatever. Yeah. It was ridiculous. That's not, <laughs> that's not Slight what's going to happen. Exaggeration folks. <laughs> fine. Fine. But I'm pretty sure the guy like Javi ran like a one eleven or something, right? right. Like it was yeah. ridiculous. Absolutely. And that's not what's going to happen this year. At all, which is partially why I think you're getting so many big names. Everyone is doing it this year. It's like hugely competitive fields. People are very excited. I know, I know every year it's all like Kona's the thing everyone cares about. But honestly, like this year, I think this race might legitimately be more exciting because you're getting both the ITU people and the long course people and the people who specialize in halves. So... Yeah, I, I agree that it's it's more exciting in that I think there's probably more people who could win. And I think that a, a course like that, especially a bike course like that, does add a bit of a roll of the dice experience right. into it in terms of like you're going to get you could get someone you literally could get someone who's a magical climber 
coming out of nowhere and getting in the top five in the men's or the women's race, right? That not, not sure. out of nowhere, but out of people's predictions, I think that that could easily happen. Like someone who's like, who has super good power to weight ratio, who doesn't get to show that in other races that where the sort of quote unquote pack dynamic is a little bit stronger or when it's flatter. So I think that definitely adds something. Yeah. I don't know. Are you going to change your predictions at all now that you've seen the course about Holly? No. Okay. So... So it's Holly versus Daniela versus Lucy, right? And mm-hmm. I keep saying Daniela has to be beat at some point. And I think everyone, I think the the field has finally agreed she can be beaten. So someone is going to come forward in that. Holly was here for like a month this summer practicing, getting ready. I think she's ready to go. I think she's on fire. Lucy uh, rode that climb KO, like to get the KOM earlier this year when she was like Strava KOM hunting. And I didn't realize I fully respect her 30 minutes now because I wrote it 90% or something all close to all out yesterday. And I think I was like eight minutes slower. So Wow. Yeah. yeah that really puts it into perspective. I think it's really going to depend on our, this is like a little like on our Iron Woman podcast host, Haley Chura, because <laughs> she's like the next best swimmer in the field after Lucy, right? Haley is. Right. Yes. And so if... Holly gets herself attached to Haley and they come out not too far behind Lucy. Like that's going to change the race, right? Like that's going to change it. Right. You see what I'm if, saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's still, even though you have, even when you have a race, that's not necessarily limited, like, or it doesn't necessarily have packs forming. You right. still have an advantage when you can see people, right? So if Lucy's way off the front, depending on whether someone could see her or not and make her a mark, like as soon as Holly gets her, like as soon as Holly could smell blood effectively, Oh yeah. She'll get her. But if Lucy's far enough ahead and you can't see her like away in the mountains or she's like way up a climb, that would be a lot harder mentally. My uh, husband also pointed out that Holly uh, doesn't like it when someone is beating her. She's going to lose her shit if like two people are beating her. So (laughs) (laughs) it will be interesting uh, to see how that goes. The men's race is, I didn't realize eight of the top 10 from last year are back. Plus you add into that Sebastian Keenley, Frederick Van Leerd and Patrick Langa. And you add in Blumenthal who just won the ITU grand finale. Wow. Who also has like the fastest 70.3 time on record. And you're like, holy shit. Like that's going to be insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's where the fast meets the long course. And, it, it, you know, a course like this could suit the long course people a little bit better with the with the 30 minute climb. But yeah, so it's it is going to be a very, very interesting race. And I hope that I hope that Ironman feels that this kind of choice has paid off to to have a harder course. Yeah, because we talked about this before and Ironman made a very specific decision to make 70.3 worlds a bigger deal right like not to hate on clearwater florida too much but it sucked right like clearwater was like kind of a joke and a few years ago kind of after like australia was really nice but australia was still that very classic championship course on a highway flat packs and when they moved to the two-day format in 2017 in they made they also made a choice to make it more of a destination race to pick places that people really want to go and to make it interesting courses that make people excited and to promote it more right to do yeah. all of those things like once they made the choice that they were going to make 70.3 worlds a thing they started making all the little choices right they backed it up yeah yes and it's been since and that's pretty much been since it's been a two-day event women mm-hmm. on the first day men on the second day even though you could switch it every year and have Men on the first day, we're just going right. to say that you could. Because we've, we've said it every week, but like, why not switch it? Anyway, that's fine. Fine. <laughs> 
Also, why not have just as many women competing as men? So yeah, I think a lot of people don't realize that it's still not equal numbers. So uh, the other thing is when they went to the two day format, I thought, okay, great. We're going to solve the drafting problem because they'll spread it out over two days, but they actually just increased the number of people, not quite double, like by like 80% more. So it didn't really solve like the drafting problem. And it's huge this year. It's like 3,200 men and about 2,100 women. And that's massive. That's giant. That's huge. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people are like, well, (laughs) you literally don't have a limiter anymore. Why are there fewer women? Like, well, that's certainly my question. I mean, (laughs) you, you don't have, you, you're literally running the same race one day and then the next day. So like, why not allow the women the same opportunity that the men have? Okay, and here is my what well, I don't know if counter argument. My like I my my sympathies with Iron Man for a second. Are you ready? Okay, you're gonna like devil's advocate me right now. Right. Well, well, first okay. off, I think they should have just left it at 1,500 men, 1,500 women, and that would have been the way to go. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to up it to 3,000, there are not a thousand more women who would be ready and willing to take those spots in the so world. So right now, right now, roughly we have 3,000 men and 2,000 women. Is that give her like a little over 2,000 men and about 2,000 women? Yeah. More or less. Okay. And that is even with the fact like that. So that is because they hand out spots proportionally the same way they do Kona. They also have extra women's spots in this part of this, like women's for try effort where they like hand out more spots at some races, even with that, they like, I don't want to say they cannot hand out the spots, but they're, they have not done the work to create enough women out there ready and willing to race a world championship. There are not a thousand more women because they have not created a thousand more women because they have not made the choices to create that. So it's like, so I understand that they're sitting there being like, we're trying to give out these spots and we literally can't at some races. Like they roll all the way down and no one takes them. Like there aren't a thousand, thousand more women. Like it just doesn't make sense. We cannot hand out equal number spots because they're just, the women don't exist. That would be their argument. Obviously, they have not made the choice to create right. those women. So, exactly. So I think like what you're trying to say here is that, and, and I agree with you if this is what you're trying to say, <laughs> that <laughs> Iron Man made a decision to change the, we talk about culture a lot, but to change the culture, the, the way that people look at their 70.3 world championships. And they decided to make it into a real event. And then they took all this, they did, made all the small changes required to make it into a legitimate world championship. Now, Ironman also has a challenge around trying to get more women to participate in their events full stop, but have failed to make all the little changes and take all the steps required to get more women to a participate b feel ongoingly welcome and retain them and retain right. women in the sport. So if I, th- I believe, and honestly I've had this conversation with Andrew Messick re- recently on and off, like if those change, that is a change that has to happen sort of essentially from the inside, like from the inside of their company out. Right. Right. So like who is in the leadership of their company matters. Who's making the marketing decisions? Who's like, who's in charge of what, how are we, how are you, what are the images that you're putting out on social media? How are you creating programs to keep women in the sport? How are you encouraging more women to coach? Like all the things we essentially talk about at the outspoken women in travel on summit. Nice, nice, nice plug there. Plug (laughs) in Tempe. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's an amazing summit, but you know what I'm saying, right? So like all of that and, and even I'm like putting up my hand going, okay, I'm here. Like I, there's not just me, but 
there's tons of people who could help with that kind of help Iron Man with that process of trying to be more inclusive. And yet they have continued to fail. And so then when you put on a world championship over two days and you have a thousand less slots for women and you can't find even women enough women to make it equal numbers. I'm like, well, that's not a big surprise folks. Cause you haven't done your homework. There you go. There's our sum up guys. Okay. (laughs) FYI. Sum up slash rant. Slash. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, obviously Iron Man could have said five years ago, Oh, well, 70.3 worlds is never going to be that big. Everyone just cares about Kona throwing up their hands. And then like too bad. That's the equivalent here where you're just like, oh, well, we can't get women. It just is what it is. Too bad. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like I do feel a little bit bad for the men, though, out here. The 3,400 men who are just like crammed into that course. I know. Yeah, it's not. It's not awesome. Stay safe, people. Stay safe. This is when I'm like, oh, perks of there actually being fewer women. (laughs) So it's it is a little safer. Totally. Okay. I don't even, I can't even think of how to transition into this one, but we we have last week, we have a voicemail last week. Mm -hmm. We talked about whether or not you should go out when you're on top. If you're like, you're a pro, should you quit at your peak or can you just stay as long as you want? And Kimberly, who sums everything up very well, sent in a voicemail. Hi, Kelly and Sarah. It's Kimberly. I'm responding to your question from last week. Should pros retire at their peak? I wanted to share my perspective as I'll call myself a mature pro. Um, I know there are a variety of reasons that pros leave the sport, but you know, the concept of retiring because you're about to be post peak feels to me a little bit like dropping out of a race because someone passed you or because it's too windy to get a PR today. For me, um, racing has always been more about outlast than it has been about outrun. It's, it's been about hanging in there until the bitter end, you know, like my favorite race conditions, my sweet spot is 95 degrees at altitude. Like that's where I have the best results at this point. Grit is the main thing that's keeping me in the game. So, you know, when I'm out there and I get past, I say, okay, I'm going to keep them in view as long as I possibly can. And same, same kind of thing. When my fastest times are slipping further into my, into the past, I'll say, how long can I hang on? I mean, how many years in a row can I keep hitting the pro qualification standards, even though I'm technically too old to be a pro? Um, I mean, I I think if you think about it, isn't that kind of the heart of endurance? I mean, when you're watching at the finish line, whoever shuffles across at 16 hours and 58 minutes gets regarded as a hero. And at awards presentations, the whole 75 to 79 podium gets a standing ovation, even if that's the entire division up there. So it seems a little hypocritical to view an aging pro with the attitude of, no, you're done. You you just got to let it go. I mean, I think it makes more sense to actually celebrate longevity and seniority in this. I mean, isn't that the very essence of endurance? Kelly Kimberly is my new fave. I'm just okay. gonna. I'm just gonna say I've never met her. She sent us one. One time she sent us a note after one of the episodes about around like transgender issues, and she was so articulate about it. Um, and I loved this voicemail. So thanks, Kimberly. For yeah, there's really the nothing voicemail. to add. She just she nailed it. She said she took a while to figure out the technology of recording the memo, but she nailed it. So <laughs> totally nailed it. She did mention something she like tells herself mentally when she's out on course. And Sarah, you talked some about the mental toolbox this week in your box. <laughs> in your tales from your box tales from my box (laughs) so okay so you were talking a bunch about how what you think mentally can change then can shape your reality here's my issue sarah 
What you believe. What you believe can, can shape can, your reality, can change yes. your reality. Yes. Here's my issue when I read this. Okay. Because here's my issue in general when people say, pretty quickly, you can get into like Oprah style, The Secret, where you're like, oh, and that can quickly go into, oh, poor people are just poor because they didn't want to not be poor enough, right? Like you're playing the victim. You're creating in your head all these obstacles, which is not true, right? Like there may be true for some people, but in general, like I cannot will out systemic or like minorities cannot will out systemic obstacles that exist because of history. And like, like that's not a thing, right? I can't think my way into being a millionaire simply be like, because I thought about it really hard. If there are lots and lots of tangible reasons. No. Like anyway, it just gets super weird, yes. super fast and I super su- blamey yeah. and I don't like it. I see. Yes, absolutely. I, that if you say that you how you, what you believe about yourself and your circumstances is the only thing that's creating your reality. Like if then we're going to be way off course, right? Because right. clearly you can't like you can alter. So I think that my point there on what I said is because I also like cringe at this kind of stuff, even as I'm writing and like, I know that in a, like almost like if you take it to a, you can't take it to like a clinical counseling setting where you were, where you'd be dealing with people who have survived abuse or like, you can't tell people that just to think better and their life will get better. That's just way oversimplistic. And so, right. and I can't even speak to that. Right. Um, so specifically in the context of sports performance, <laughs> Right. And okay, me so trying we're gonna, to like, be... set all that out there. And now we're just talking about sports. Well, I just like, no, no, no. To be super, super clear, like you can affect you can how you think what you believe about yourself will affect your current sure. decisions. And I think that's where like and I even said that in the piece, like it affects those little and it will be unconscious. Right. Because we're talking about a belief system, not necessarily thinking like so to change right. your belief system, you first have to think something and then it becomes internalized. But what if you internalize a belief system, you will make those little, little micro choices. They will actually change your reality. So I would say that probably to your point about someone who is quote unquote poor, (laughs) um, that there would be, there could be micro changes, but no, you're not going to change. Like you're not going to change the whole system. You're going to change things. And that has actually been my experience is like, I, when I changed the way, even in the sports setting, when I changed the way I thought about my performance, the first thing that happened was I actually felt better about my performance. <laughs> like even if okay. the outcome, even if the outcomes are only altered slightly, like even if I would have come third anyway, even if I, that I felt better about that third place instead of winning than I did before, which actually is still a better place to be. Okay. So here's the thing, Sarah, maybe, maybe mm-hmm. this is like Sarah gives Kelly advice time since okay. our podcast is basically just like therapy anyway. I suspect that you would have had the same problem I have, which is always that like, I uh, think things through a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I'm never going to be somebody who doesn't think things through. So a lot of these, I know all the fucking mental tricks, right? I know the toolbox. Yeah. But if I'm telling myself, oh, I have to change the way I'm thinking about this, then I know that I'm changing the way I'm thinking. And so then in the back of my head, I'm like, well, I'm like lying to myself and I cannot lie to myself. And this is a lie as this doesn't work, right? So how do you get around because I know that when I believe something when I fundamentally believe it absolutely it works out but I can't make myself believe something yeah yeah I have to tell you like my (laughs) I don't have like a I don't have what yeah I'm with you that is how I thought that is how I I think sometimes still what I did it was a very simple thing is I just like opened myself up to the possibility and so that's why when I was working with my mental coach 
I just would spend moments. I just actually would just follow him through the exercises. So when he said one of the things he said, which like, again, and even in the column when I was writing, I was like, I kind of hate this. It sounds cheesy and terrible. But if you change, like if you change the weather in a memory, so I would have, and this is for me, like memories of, of hurting on my bike, you know, mm-hmm. cause like cycling hard is, I used to find that the most painful part of yeah, um, it's triathlon. Bad. Yeah. And so then I would go into those memories of cycling hard and the pain and I would change the weather in it. And it did over time actually change the way I felt about cycling. So Hmm. I just put all of like those doubts and that those questions that I have that are like, fuck, no, this is not possible. I can't change what I believe like aside for a minute and just kind of gave it a chance. And so I was able to make some micro changes to how I felt about my cycling. Um, cause in the end, like when I did after 10 years of trying, <laughs> when I did win, <laughs> when I finally did win Ironman, it was like make or break on the bike because I, I was able to improve my cycling and, and you can understand how in the long distance race, how you actually feel about the discomfort you're feeling is really, really important because you will continue to go harder for longer if you feel good about it instead of bad about it. So it did in the end, I think it did make like subtle difference that ended up as a big difference. So to answer your question, I just like pause buttoned all of my, (laughs) all of my concerns and qualms and just did it anyway. So there you go. All right. So I'm supposed to race next weekend, right? Mm -hmm. It's on my, like I have a plane ticket, (laughs) so I'm going, you are aware of how, like it's been a very busy week. There's been a lot of shit happening. Uh, yeah. And so I am aware that it may not be a great idea for me to race, but I am logically, that's my brain, Sarah. I'm also aware that if I just, that I'm fit, that if I just believe it'll be fine, it'll probably, it'll be fine. Like I, I know I, I am aware of all the people who have not been well-trained and gone out and won because they simply like, cause your brain can do great things. So I need to believe it though, for it to be effective. Yeah. What do I do do here? I think what you should do is choose some goals for the race that you can achieve that are in your control. So like for me with right now, one thing that comes to mind for you is consider coming out of the race, feeling good about it, like doing your best in every moment. Like you can stay present. You can continue to do your best. So you can go through the entire race. And at every moment, if your mind wanders, you can come back to, am I doing my best right now? yes or no, what can I do better? And then answer that question. And and you will come to the finish line feeling good about what you just did, no matter what the outcome. So your, you know, your goals cannot be outcome based. They have to be like, what is in your control? And there are probably a lot of things in your control that you could choose to focus on. So one would hope, you know, one mm-hmm. would hope there are a lot of things in my control. <laughs> All right. We have another voicemail this week. We do. Okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna roll the outro first, right? And then mm-hmm. we'll uh, and then we'll hear from Kelly's mom. Oh my god, I'm so excited! We would like to thank Noon Hydration for supporting the podcast. Get thirty percent off your order by using the code IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. That's IRONWOMEN at noonlife.com. And don't forget to order your feisty gear at livefeisty.com with the code RIDING to get a 20% discount. Follow at If We Were Riding on all the social medias and leave us a review on iTunes. Also, tell your actual friends in person how awesome we are because that works too. 
If We Were Riding is a Live Feisty Media production and is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our marvelous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop. This time, like the last time, you better get ready to race to the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real, and I'm feeling so ruthless. Well, I hope we're all out here on the internets being interesting. I was listening to you guys talk about has social media changed the nature of pick your sport, XYZ, darts. Has social media changed the nature of darts? Honestly, I don't know if it has. Hmm. Of course, being interesting has changed the way we think of things. It has no value. Either you're very good at something and that is interesting, or you know a lot and that is interesting. But just being interesting deranged is interesting that doesn't mean it's worth anything i certainly don't want it leading my country lordy it reminds me of i'm not going to remember this correctly c.s lewis and the screw tape letters or maybe mark twain something about the shallowness of advertising that gives weight to things that merely catch our eye and the emptying I, i don't know there's something just deeply deeply wrong with advertisers attaching worth to being interesting. Anyway, on that note, in terms of Kelly and the the fuck with people waving all the time, I have to tell you that Kelly's first word was bye. With her hand held out as if she were pushing you away, bye. Kelly, your first word was bye. (laughs) I know, it's like family legend. My sister's first word was hi, so kind of sums things up apparently oh my gosh i love it okay so go ahead yeah well so she was talking about you know the whole like the internet's ruined things everyone wants to be interesting so i was just in paris sarah and i was in paris 11 years ago and let me tell you you know what's happened in the 11 years since then instagram has happened well that and cheap flights the the democratization of travel has also happened but you could see literally there are these rocks like these stepping stones on the way up to the glass pyramid at the louvre and every single one of them had a person standing doing the thing with their finger trying to pretend that they're holding the top to get the exact same picture for the insta and like the whole eiffel tower is way more security out than it used to be because it's so much more crowded than it used to be because of the social medias so it's kind of insane it's kind of ridiculous that everyone wants to get like the exact same thing totally it is pretty be, funny i know they all need to, everyone needs to be interesting in the exact same way right which <laughs> with which is essentially uninteresting um, right. but uh okay so here's what i want to remind people and this is what i want everyone to do is wave at <laughs> kelly go up to kelly when you're in france when you see kelly go up to kelly say hello you don't have to wave like a crazy person if you don't want to but definitely say hello no no, to no. Her. you have and to then- do it as a crazy person <laughs> And then I feel like this is all like least PC instructions we've ever given. Um, and then like, and then take a picture of Kelly for Instagram. Put it on your Instagram. Like, just like, and hashtag or tag if we were riding. That would just make my day. If, if even one person does that, my day will be made. Oh, good. And, and mine will be something. So... <laughs> Um, so to, to, to finish Kelly, I'm going to say one thing here. Oh, okay. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Solid. None of you people can tell me to stop my town, my crown. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.
We reaching the top. We reaching the top. We know what it takes to be reaching the top.